This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. My goodness, I am, gosh, there it is again. I'm so grateful, grateful to be able to share and grateful for A Course in Miracles. Grateful for your listening and our joining together in this way. So let's start with a prayer and a blessing. Mm, Taking that breath of love and gratitude, lifting up, so grateful, so thankful, so grateful and thankful that the love of God is what we are, that we're already free, already as holy as holy can be, so grateful to allow ourselves to fully recognize that we are eternally held in the heart of God, in the mind of God. Our life is the very life of God, and our salvation is here. We do not have to search for it. We do not have to look for it, simply to recognize It's right here. It's right now. So we're choosing to awaken from the dream of separation to remember our wholeness and our magnificence. And we're seeing that same wholeness, that same magnificence in our brothers and sisters. All is well. We are eternally grateful and thankful. We share the benefits with everyone. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. (laughs) All right. So today we are looking at section nine in chapter 26 of the text. And it's entitled, For They Have Come. Chapter 26, section nine. And... So, for they have come. To me, this is about recognizing the bringers of our salvation. We could say it that way. So, let's open our hearts and minds to that. Think but how holy you must be, from whom the voice for God calls lovingly unto your brother, that you may awaken him the voice that answers to your call. Think how holy you must be that the voice for God is calling lovingly to your brothers and sisters, to the whole sonship, and that they will hear the voice for God in you 
in me. And then they will also share the voice for God with us, answering our call. Yes. So, of course, one of the major themes in A Course in Miracles is Jesus reminding us over and over again that, as I said in the prayer, we're already as holy as holy can be. That's how I think of it. Those are my words that got ignited from reading the Course, that we don't have to work to become holy. We're already as holy as holy can be. So the voice for God is awake and alive within us, and it's calling to everyone we come in contact with. Think how holy, it says, and think how holy he must be, our brother, when in him sleeps your own salvation, with his freedom joined. So our brother is our salvation. Remember the chapter section, for they have come. So the bringers of light have already arrived. The salvation bringers have already arrived. They're already here. And the voice for God is in each of us. And when we recognize the voice for God in each other, it awakens us to our salvation. Think how holy he must be when in him sleeps your own salvation with his freedom joined. So we can only wake up together. However much you wished he be condemned, God is in him. And never will you know he is in you, God is in you as well, while you attack God's chosen home and battle with God's host. So when we attack our brothers and sisters, then we will not recognize that God is within us. Mm. So however much we wish that our brother be condemned, God is in him. And so if we just ponder for a moment here, just call to mind someone that we think is evil, that should be punished or ostracized or something like that. That person actually is the bringer of our salvation. The voice for God is in them. And they're calling us to recognize that whatever we think is evil is a cry for love. And we discover our holiness, our perfection, our magnificence, our invulnerability, our prosperity. Our wisdom, all of it gets ignited when we can extend compassion to the folks that we would punish, that we would ostracize. However much you wish he be condemned, 
God is in him, and never will you know God is in you as well while you attack God's chosen home and battle with God's host. Regard him gently. Regard your brother gently. Look with loving eyes on him who carries Christ within him, that you may behold, you may behold his glory and rejoice that heaven is not separate from you. Look with loving eyes on him who carries Christ within him. So I can remember uh, a moment in the 1990s when I worked in a corporate office and there was someone who was out to get me. (laughs) And they were harassing me, um, not sexually, but just work-wise. They were being attacking and difficult, judgmental. And I remember having a conversation with them about whatever we were working on. It was not a personal conversation, but I could tell from their attitude that they were being very snarky and they were bothered by me and they were taking it out on me. And I felt innocent. And I remember thinking, God, you know how to love this person. Show me how I am willing. Love this person through me. Love is the Redeemer. I am willing. Show me how to be your love representative. Love this person through me. I'm willing. I'm willing. I didn't like them in that moment. I didn't like how they were treating me. I didn't like any of that. But I was willing because I really, really, truly, truly in my heart wanted to know. I wanted to know how to be able to make that shift and that no matter what was going on around me, I could be loving. I wanted to make that shift. I wanted to learn how to do that. So I was willing and I knew I could be taught. So this, this passage reminds me of that. Look with loving eyes on the person who carries Christ within them, that you may behold their glory, Christ's glory, and rejoice that heaven is not separate from you. Because if Christ is in that person that we label evil, bad, wrong, that we dislike and feel should be punished, if we can recognize Christ is in them, Can't we more easily recognize Christ is within ourselves? Because honestly, be honest. Who do you condemn more than you condemn yourself? Certainly that used to be true for me. There was nobody I condemned more than I condemned myself. Goes on here, paragraph two. Is it too much to ask a little trust for... The one who carries Christ 
to you that you may be forgiven all your sins and left with a single one you cherish still? Forget not that a shadow held between your brother and yourself obscures the face of Christ and memory of God. Forget not that a shadow held between your brother and yourself obscures the face of Christ and memory of God. So what would be the shadow held between me and my brother, me and another person? It's a judgment, right? Of course it is. It's a complaint. It's, a, it's an attack thought. Forget not that a shadow held between yourself and your brother obscures the face of Christ and memory of God. I will not be able to see the face of Christ in myself. I will not be able to remember who I am if I condemn anyone. So the thing that I love so much about A Course in Miracles is it's always so clear in these things. There's no wiggle room. It's all or nothing. But the great news is we can have all. Now, I'll just speak for myself here. For so long, for so, so long, I truly just thought I'm a bad person, fundamentally a bad person. And I truly believed that that was not changeable, that was not fixable. All I could do was cover it up, hope to hide it, to lessen it, to counteract it but never to undo it. I never thought, uh, really, that that could happen. But my willingness, honest to God, when I became a spiritual counselor, my intention was so strong to see the face of Christ in everyone that came before me. Not that I always succeeded. Not that I didn't have judgments of my clients I did, I did, you know, I, I freely admit that, but I was so interested in seeing their perfection and their wholeness that I would see it, I could see it, I did see it. So I was able to drop the false view in sessions with my clients. I was able to come into my right mind in sessions with my clients. And that's one of the things that helped me so, so much with healing my mind. Honestly, I, I that and the, the work I did around my parents, seeing them correctly. So I know what he's talking about in this section, for they have come, is true that our salvation absolutely lies in our brothers and sisters. Would you trade them, the Christ, God, the Holy Spirit, for an ancient hate? Would you trade 
God for an ancient hate? Would you trade your salvation for an ancient hate? You would if you didn't believe the salvation was real. So for me, it took me a long time to really decide to give up my grievances and my grudges because I didn't believe that giving them up would actually bring me what I desired, which was freedom. Freedom from the, the belief that I was evil. Freedom to fully love. I didn't believe those things were actually possible for me. So until I could see that, until I had some willingness, I continued to hold on to my complaints, my grievances, and my grudges. It is miraculous to me that that deep sense of being evil or bad or wrong, unfixable, unchangeable, all I could do was cover it up, that that is completely gone. And I know that it is because of the self-forgiveness work I've done, and it is because of my willingness to see the Christ in my brothers and sisters. And even in those people that I think they... They live in a heinous way. They live in an absolutely heinous way. I can 100% know that they're misguided, that they're deranged, that they're 100% not in their right mind, or they could never behave that way and act that way. And I can have compassion for them. because they've lost their way. And part of why I can have compassion for them is because when I believed that I was bad and wrong, well, on a certain level, it couldn't get any worse. If you believe that you're evil, if you believe that you are a bad person and there's nothing that can be done about it, the best you can do is hide it try to cover it up, but it's not going to go away, then, at least for me, there were definitely times when I would behave badly towards people, meanly, cruelly towards people, and I just thought, well, I can't make this situation any worse. It's already as bad as it can get on a certain level so deep down anyway maybe not on the surface so when I would get upset and behave badly I just thought well you know there's nothing to lose here there's nothing to lose here I'm already wretched so I can have compassion for my brother, my sister, who's thinking that same way. I can have compassion for them. Because sometimes we look at people who behave badly and we think, do they not see the damage they're doing? Do they not see the ramifications of their selfishness, of their ignorance, of their 
cruelty and unkindness. How come they just keep hitting away and hitting away, hitting perfectly innocent people and doing such horrible things to them? Do, you know, whatever it might be, do they not see the repercussions of their actions? But on an energetic level, they feel condemned and it can't get any worse. So it doesn't matter. If I'm going down, everybody's going with me. I can understand those ways of thinking now and I can have compassion for them because I, I, I would wish that people would have had compassion for me and they did and they did but they didn't know what I really believed about myself they didn't know what I really felt about myself because I didn't present myself to friends and family as an evil depraved person but that was definitely how I saw myself hmm We're finishing up this paragraph two here. The ground whereon you stand is holy ground because of them who, standing there with you, have blessed it with their innocence and peace. So the ground we stand on is holy ground because of our brothers and sisters who stand there with us, blessing it with their innocence and peace just as we bless them with our innocence and our peace. So this is the clear message of A Course in Miracles to us from Jesus. We are innocent. We are innocent. Jesus did not die for our sins. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Yes. The uh, paragraph 3 here, the blood of hatred fades to let the grass grow green again and let the flowers be all white and sparkling in the summer sun. What was a place of death has now become a living temple in a world of light because of them. It is their presence which has lifted Holiness, again, to take its ancient place upon an ancient throne. Because of them, our brothers and sisters, have miracles sprung up as grass and flowers on the barren ground that hate had scorched and rendered desolate. What hate has wrought have they undone. And honestly, that's how I began to feel as a spiritual counselor. So again, my commitment to see the Christ, the wholeness, the perfection, the beauty, the magnificence in my clients helped me to see it in myself. My willingness, my willingness, my very active willingness Especially when clients were sitting in front of me and they were whining and complaining and felt like a victim and they were talking about their own self-destructiveness. 
and their own unwillingness to be kind to others, to forgive others, and and all the things that we all talk about in our counseling sessions, right? So my decision to absolutely love them unconditionally, see the Christ in them, enabled it, me to see it in myself. I couldn't see it till I could in myself until I could see it in them. I could not see it in myself until I could see it in them. Here's where our salvation lies, in our willingness to see the Christ in what we would think of as the least of them. Right? Remember Jesus said when he walked the earth, what you do to the least of them, you do to me. We can keep that teaching right in front of us all the time. Never feel guilty when we treat somebody badly. Instead, let us use it to inspire us to treat people with love and kindness, and most especially ourselves. Yes, and even our body. Yes. Yes, I'm going to take a moment to just say we started, we had the first class for Change Your Mind About Your Body, the five-month program with me and Gary Renard and Lisa Natoli and John Mundy and Corinne Zepko and Karen J. Gardner and Aaron Apke, Mark Anthony Lord, all our favorites, or a lot of them. <laughs> and I'm just so excited. We've got classes every week for five months this is the bargain of the century. I encourage you, check it out. You can still join us. You'll get replays of whatever you missed. And we have so much to offer in this program. I'm very excited about it. Yay! <laughs> Changing our mind about our body. Go to jenniferhadley.com and the events page and you'll find the details there. Also, Karen J. Gardner has a three-part class. It starts on Saturday. Practicing silence, receiving miracles. We've got so many good things going on this year at the Power of Love Ministry. I hope to see you there in one of our offerings. It's time for me to take a break. It's a short break. I will be right back. We're talking about A Course in Miracles. My name's Jennifer Hadley, and I love you. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. My name's Jennifer Hadley, and I'm back. We're talking about A Course in Miracles, and we are talking about our salvation Yes, our salvation is here, right here, right now, right here where we are in our heart. Ah, So we're in paragraph three of chapter 26, section nine. And I'm I'm just going to read the last couple sentences again. The blood of hatred fades to let the grass grow green again and let the flowers be all white and sparkling in the summer sun. What was a place of death has now become a living temple in a world of light because of them. 
because of our brothers and sisters who show up to call us to love more fully and more completely. It is their presence which has lifted holiness again to take its ancient place upon an ancient throne. Because of them have miracles sprung up as grass and flowers on the barren ground that hate had scorched and rendered desolate. What hate has wrought have they undone. And now you stand on holy ground, on ground so holy rather, heaven leans to join with it and make it like itself. The shadow of an ancient hate has gone, and all the blight and withering have passed forever from the land where they have come. So what I can say is that if we use this land here as the metaphor for our heart, uh, this is what I have experienced. I have no doubt now, none whatsoever. I am completely assured, convinced, I know the perfection and the wholeness of myself and everyone else. Because of doing this work, I now I didn't even understand it in A Course in Miracles. I wasn't reading A Course in Miracles until I had been a counselor for years. But when I read this in the Course, I knew, ah, this is what happened to me. Yes. <laughs> Next paragraph. What is a hundred or thousand years to them? Or tens of thousands? And the them here is our brothers and sisters. When they come, time's purpose is fulfilled. What never was passes to nothingness when they have come. What hatred claimed is given up to love, and freedom lights up every living thing and lifts it into heaven, where the lights grow ever brighter as each one comes home. The incomplete is made complete again, and heaven's joy has been increased because what is its own has been restored to it. The bloodied earth is cleansed, and the insane have shed their garments of insanity to join them on the ground whereon you stand. So he's using all this flowery language and metaphor to help us see this is a done deal when you're willing to see the Christ in your brother. It doesn't matter what happened. It doesn't matter thousands of years of suffering. It doesn't matter all the pain, all the grudges, what we did to them, what they did to us. None of that matters anymore when all we can see is the Christ in them. We have come back home. The bloodied earth is cleansed. And the insane have shed their garments of insanity to join them on the ground whereon you stand. 
We think it has to be a process. We think it has to take time. We think that it's going to be impossible. There are so many grievances and so many grudges, so many complaints, so much victimhood. I've been so terrible. They've been so terrible. All of this, we think, no, 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 it's too much. Because in our ego-identified mind, we're thinking that we have to undo one thing at a time. No. No, we just have to unhook the attachment to ego. That's it. We unhook the attachment to being bad. That's, I mean, the whole ego thought system is about convincing us we're bad, we're wrong, we don't deserve love. That's the focus. But the truth is not that. So it can be undone in an instant. No matter how many lifetimes, how many thousands of years we have invested and re-upped in believing we're bad, it will never make it true. And so we can have that holy instant where everything else fades away. All the nonsense fades away. All the insanity is dissolved and resolved permanently back to the root cause. Paragraph 5. Heaven is grateful for this gift of what has been withheld so long, for they have come to gather in their own. What has been locked is opened. What was held apart from light is given up, that light may shine on it and leave no space nor distance lingering between the light of heaven and the world. And now that famous sentence here that many of us really love, the holiest of all Spots on earth is where an ancient hatred has become a present love. The holiest of all spots on earth is where an ancient hatred has become a present love. Yes, love the Redeemer. Love brings us back into our right mind and nothing else can do that. Only love can do that. And what can we love more than the Christ? Seeing the Christ in our brothers and sisters, seeing the perfection and the wholeness that is their true identity, their natural state. That's what redeems us. What a perfect system. A perfect system. The holiest of all spots on earth is where an ancient hatred has become a present love. Think of how many movies and TV shows and dramas and novels and true life stories are about people who started as enemies and fell in love. How wonderful. How powerful. At first, we recognize, ah, that's my enemy. 
past life enemy, here they are, showing up to bother me again. Ugh. But if we're willing, we'll see how magnificent they are, and we fall in love. The holiest of all spots on earth is where an ancient hatred has become a present love. And they quickly, they come quickly to the living temple where a home for them has been set up. There's no place in heaven, heaven holier. And they have come to dwell within the temple offered them to be their resting place as well as yours. What hatred has released to love becomes the brightest light in heaven's radiance. And all the lights in heaven brighter grow in gratitude for what has been restored. Yeah, so we're stronger in the places that were broken. Where, where we once had hatred, now the love is greater than it ever was or could be without having fallen into hatred. So in other words, nothing wrong has happened. It's just been a means to grow the love. The the. Stepping into darkness, stepping into hatred, stepping into all of that negativity has actually been a journey to greater love. Nothing wrong has happened. Something beautiful has come to be. How about that? How about that? Yes, yes, let us not judge our sense of hatred, our sense of disliking people. Let's not judge any of it. Let's just simply be willing to release it to the Holy Spirit to make the relationship holy. Why would we want to hold one relationship back from the Holy Spirit? Not even one. I don't know. I feel it's so important to talk about this because people just don't understand. It's two things. One, people do not understand the power of love, the power of being loving, the power of extending love, the power of forgiveness, the power of letting the grievance go, the power of recognizing the perfection, the cry for love, the Christ within our brothers and sisters. We don't understand the power of it, that it literally transforms us. Think of the kind of power in, say, um, kissing Sleeping Beauty or Snow White or... um, I don't remember how the beauty and the beast works, but these kinds of things, it's the power to completely transform a person, to wake them from their slumber, to wake ourselves from our slumber. Yes, 
these these fairy tales, these stories, the Holy Spirit has given them to us. They are like the breadcrumbs that help us find our way back to our holiness. And we cannot recognize our own holiness if we're not willing to recognize the holiness of our brothers and sisters. It comes, it's a package deal. So we don't know the power in it. And we also do not believe it's possible for us. We feel too unworthy. So we actually have to be able to give up the attachment to our unworthiness. That's what's required. We're, we have to be willing to give up seeing ourselves as bad and wrong. And I honestly will just say it again, that when I was willing to see the perfection in my clients, then I could see it in myself. Because And it also helped me to accept the atonement for myself, accept the unity of all life for myself, because it helped me to understand to have, give all to all. If we are not willing to see our own holiness, then we won't see it in our brothers and sisters, and vice versa. Around you angels hover lovingly to keep away all darkened thoughts of sin and keep the light where it has entered in. Your footprints lighten up the world, for where you walk, forgiveness gladly goes with you. No one on earth but offers thanks to one who has restored his home, sheltered him from bitter winter and the freezing cold. And shall the Lord of heaven and his Son give less in gratitude for so much more? Around you angels hover lovingly to keep away all darkened thoughts of sin and keep the light where it has entered in. So this is the thing that I see over and over again with folks in my programs, Masterful Living, Finding Freedom, the the longer form programs, that when they start to do this work and they really genuinely start to change their mind, about other people, about the past, about situations. They have the willingness to give up the grievances and the grudges and the attachments. That's when the, they start to feel this support from the invisible. And so Jesus is saying here, this is what it is actually happening. Around you, angels hover lovingly to keep away all darkened thoughts of sin and keep the light where it has entered in. Now, I would imagine, I suspect, that many people who read this think that Jesus is talking metaphorically. I absolutely know he's not. Angels do hover around us lovingly, always, and they help us when we're making this turning 
to the light. They help keep away all darkened thoughts of sin and keep the light where it has entered in. So profound levels of support, we begin to feel them. And that is the thing. For those who really lead a loving light, life, <laughs> there's so much support from the invisible. I feel it ever increasing for me that things just get easier and easier and easier. Even though there are still difficulties, it's easier, so much easier to handle them. So much easier to handle them. Your footprints lighten up the world for where you walk. Forgiveness gladly goes with you. So we, we teach what we are. We teach what we live. So people recognize it. They recognize the vibration. It shifts the vibration in the room when we walk into it. The more loving and forgiving we are, the more we are teaching those things without saying words, just by the vibration that we carry. So, of course, the angels are going to give us more support so that we can bring that healing presence to more people wherever we go. No one on earth but offers thanks to one who has restored his home and sheltered him from bitter winter and the freezing cold. And shall the Lord of heaven and his Son give less in gratitude for so much more? So we are giving a gift to the world when we give up our grievances. We are being that healing presence. So, you know, to me, this is the most effective way to change the world, to support the world in changing. Be that loving presence, dedicated to that loving presence. Truly commit to giving up complaints. Truly give a deep commitment to giving up the grudges, the grievances, the complaining, the attack thoughts, the withholding of love. Deeply commit to it. It's the, all the negativity is a habit. So much of it is a habit. We're responding from habit or reacting from habit when we can respond with love. And the more we do, the more we give, the more we have. I, I think of that balcony scene so often in Romeo and Juliet where they're, one of the things they say is, the more I give, the more I have. That my love is bounteous. There's the moment on the balcony where they exchange their vows of love. And then um, uh, Rolia, Romeo is suggesting that they exchange vows of love. And Juliet says, I've already given you my vow. I already did that. And then she says, and I wish I could, I could give it again for the first time. She says, I, I gave it to you before you even asked for it. And I wish I could give it to you again. So Romeo says, you'd take it back? 
And she says, yes, just to give it to you again. My love is as big as the sea. It's as deep as the ocean. The more I give to you, the more I have. For both my love and, my, and the sea are infinite. And so that's the thing is there's no limit on love. There's no lack in love. The more we give, the more we have. To have, give all to all. And we don't learn that until we move into this place of generosity. And we start to discover the more I give to others, the more I have for myself. But it doesn't work if we're trying to get something. Because trying to get something is coming from lack. So we have to give without needing anything in return. We give, as Juliet's talking about, because our love is as boundless as the sea. All right, let's go <laughs> back. Uh, while Shakespeare wrote in iambic pentameter, as did Jesus, so here we go. So paragraph eight we're at now. Now is the temple of the living God rebuilt as host again to him by whom it was created, where he dwells, his son dwells, with him never separate. And they, our brothers and sisters, give thanks that they are welcome made at last. We're making them welcome in our heart. Where stood a cross, we could say for crucifixion, stands now the risen Christ. And ancient scars are healed within God's sight. An ancient miracle has come to bless and replace an ancient enmity that came to kill. In gentle gratitude to God the Father and the Son, return to what is theirs and will be forever. Now is the Holy Spirit's purpose done, for they have come. They have come at last. So they have come into our awareness, our brothers and sisters, as our salvation. Let us welcome them. Let us welcome them appropriately. Let us give thanks. Let us be willing to give all the grievances away to the Holy Spirit for healing because they will be healed. Our willingness is the only requirement. I don't know what's going on with my voice today. Something in the air, maybe spring. All the windows are open. Yeah. Birds are singing. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's time for me to pray. And I just thank you. I thank you so much for being my mighty companion on this journey. We place our hands on our hearts and we offer up our grievances and our grudges. We open ourselves to the unlimited, to the unprecedented, to the flow of love that is ours and it is our true identity. We share the benefits with everyone and we let this healing be. We allow it to be fully made manifest now and forever. In gratitude, we simply say, and so it is, amen, amen, amen. I love you. Thank you. Go visit JenniferHadley.com to see what else is going on this year. Mwah.